Turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5, take up in verse 6. Joshua 5 and 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them that land, which the Lord sware unto their fathers, that he would give it us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Let us pray. We thank Thee, our Heavenly Father, for Christ who died in our place, for bearing the reproach that He bore. We thank Thee for the promise of His return, for His grace, for mercy, for faith for all thy long sufferings toward us, for the promise of eternal life which thy book declares. We thank thee for all the many things you've blessed us with. We just pray for our loved ones and family members that are lost, that you be pleased to grant them repentance. Guide us in our endeavors to certainly help us to be a witness to the lost. Forgive us of our rebellion and our inequities or failures. Help us to exalt the name of Christ above every name. For it's in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask these things and amen. What I'd like to look at this morning is the reproach of Egypt. We read in the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, that reproach, if I can find it, I'm looking straight at it. Verse 3 of Romans 15, for the for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. What was, was due us, Christ bore. Getting, we're going back to the Exodus, which is types and shadows, great types and shadows. What was it that Moses did see that compelled him to trade Egypt for the, the world, which is what Egypt signifies? He traded that for Christ. 
in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures, the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. He saw something that made him make this great transaction. To the Jews whom he he was a Jew, whom he befriended. They were unpopular slaves. They were powerless, poor. Their religion was looked down upon, no doubt. You kind of look at what Moses traded there was be like being the president of the United States, which up until recently the greatest nation in the world for a, a brief spell trading that power and prestige to go live with some poor outcast slaves most people would say you wouldn't want to do that that would not be a good idea that's exactly what Moses did Moses was condemned to death more than once. At birth, he was condemned. Slew an Egyptian, he was condemned again. You look throughout Scripture, there's a unique two-ness, I guess you might say, Christ to advents. He came the first time to put away sin, the second time he would come to rule and power. <clears throat> the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Then they done it again crossing Jordan. There are two calls, outward to inward. I suppose that Moses would have kept the position that he was promised he could have freed the slaves but he didn't why did he do it the way he did he he saw something of course God revealed something to him he, he looked at God's saw part of God's glory and he was convinced we read about our lot in First Corinthians chapter four, verse nine. For I think that God has set forth us the apostles, lastly, as it were appointed unto death, for we are made a spectacle or a theater unto the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. What was it that they saw? It made them fearlessly proclaim the word of truth and die, get, give their lives in doing so. They saw something, that they seen Christ. And we're promised persecution also. And... Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 
again, verse 25. Hebrews 11, if I think, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Egypt is basically the type of the world. This is the reproach of Egypt. It's all about sin. Egypt was known in that day as a country in which every the number of houses was equal to the number of gods. There was that many gods. And of course, the Lord judged all their gods. They were, in fact, no gods at all. Egypt was destroyed. Had Moses stayed on in power, went and stayed or taken the, the throne, so to speak, what would his end have been? You would not have heard of him. He would have been insignificant. As it turned out, he left Egypt and Pharaoh and their army in ruin. And if you look, you can Google it. But the chariots that we read about were that were overthrown in the sea there, they're still there. They're there. The underwater divers are taking pictures of them. It happened just like it said it did. Moses' name is revered. This is the way God does things. You would might call it successfully. Luke chapter nine, verse Luke nine twenty eight. Um, that don't look like the right. Luke twenty. Luke nine twenty eight. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah. Moses saw something far greater than Egypt. Where and when and how he received this knowledge, I can't say. The world was placed before Moses, placed before him everything, the best of everything they had to offer, wealth, power, and the Jews offered him trial and affliction and labor, and that's what he chose. Over in 1 John, the epistles of John, 1 John 2.15 tells us about loving the world. We're not to love it. This present world is going to be destroyed. Love not the world, 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This present world is ripe to be destroyed. Moses took a tent with the Jews over the, to having a palace with Pharaoh. 
Do we forsake Egypt for Christ? We had better. Have we forsook it? Being detestable, not Jews, but detestable Baptists, which we are, the world. The reproach of Egypt is typical of the world. They have their gods, their witchcraft. You know, Pharaoh had Janus and Jambres who took their sticks and made them serpents also. Of course, Moses' staff, his stick as we would call it, turned into a snake and ate up their snakes. Do we cast off popularity? Do we tend to the needs of others, like Moses? A life where we cannot do the things we would, but rather do the things that God would have us to do. Over there in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. This is saying it's been around for years. Others can, you cannot. As Christians, there's things we cannot do. Verse 16 of Galatians 5, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Others might do it and get by with it. What's going to be their reward? Moses was a great leader, but he could only offer what he possessed. At that time, Israel could not be defeated and was not defeated by the greatest army in the world at that time. They were drowned in the sea. They drowned, Pharaoh drowned the babies, Jewish babies in the sea, and he and his army was drowned in the sea. Moses was the lawgiver, a child of God through faith, the blood of God's lamb, as we just read there in the book of Luke. Why was he there speaking with Christ about Christ's decease? Moses was the type of Christ. I guess you could look at it like, would we leave a mansion to go live in a ghetto? Well, what did Christ do? laid aside his glory and became a man and walked as a man was victorious as a man in regaining the dominion of the earth do we esteem the reproach of Christ as great riches just like Moses did in the ruins of ancient Rome, there's a crude drawing of a man worshiping a man that was hanging upon a cross. The crucified figure, which was in this, it was a drawing, was the head, had the head of a donkey. That's the way they criticized Christians of that day and age. Nothing's changed. The world hates Christianity. We have we hear such slurs all the time. We have no beauty, no great orators, no silver or gold. Just the truth. 
Most consider Moses the lawgiver. Law and faith are far different. We looked at that in the book of James this morning. Law of grace and law of works. Faith, we read in the book of Hebrews what it is. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance or the confidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. They see it, the world sees their actions. They don't see the Lord's return. We're waiting for it. We live like we are to, at least we are to live like we're looking for it. We bear the reproach of Christ in doing so. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 3, 27. Romans 3, 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works, nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And in Romans 6, 14, we are under grace, not under the law. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Of course, Ephesians chapter 2 begins, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's, as I mentioned, this early. Man does not have a free will because man's dead. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 11. Same chapter. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. They say the Jews, he said at that time, Paul fought it, his whole ministry, that those that said you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. In uh, Romans again, Romans chapter 2, verse 29. I think I covered this. <clears throat> Romans 2, 29. Well, let's look at verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Final analysis, Moses looked for his praise from God, not men. Jew is a whoever is a Jew is a, inwardly. It's the inward circumcision of the heart that only God and the person of the Holy Spirit can perform. 
What is the reproach of Egypt? Well, there were several things in the reproach of Egypt. You see, when God took them out of Egypt, it almost looked like he wasn't able to take them into the promised land. So he slew them. That's what they, they thought they seen. He was proving them is what he was doing. The reproach of Egypt is all their gods. That's the reproach of Egypt. They were big in the black magic and the things like that. That's the reproach of Egypt. Filthy communication, blasphemy, malice. That's the reproach of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Idolatry. That's the reproach of Egypt. For which things... Well, Colossians 3.8 tells us, Mortify therefore your members which are upon earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God come upon the children of disobedience. This is coming upon the, the, the lost, the, the disobedient. We look for the rapture, the calling away. There are those who he's going to send strong delusion that, that they believe a lie because they have no love for the truth. He's going to give them what they want. That's in the book of Thessalonians. That's another rabbit for another rabbit hunt. But now, this is back to Colossians 3. You also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Well, do we put on the new man? A lot of times I catch myself saying I'm acting more like the old man than the new. The new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew. And in that day, there's only two Greeks and Jews. He's one or the other. Circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man hath quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these saints, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, the way that reads there in the book of Joshua, go back and read it. It wasn't them... I mean, they, they went through the motions of the circumcision. It's in Joshua chapter 5. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Before they could enter into the promised land, that reproach of Egypt had to be gone. The wickedness, the idolatry. He wasn't going to give his promised land to a people that were just as bad as the people that were in it. That's why they died out in the wilderness. 
this gener- younger generation would be righteous. He's, he was going to make them righteous. He's the one that rolled away the reproach of Egypt. It's also interesting that it talks about Joshua. Joshua is the Old Testament name for Jesus. He was the one, Joshua, verse 3, And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of foreskins. He done it. As we well know, Moses was a great type of the law, strong, healthy, but could not take the children into the promised land. Joshua did. Joshua named Jesus. Crossing Jordan miraculously. Christ will bring his elect, his chosen, to heaven. Moses and the law could not do it. Grace will. Do we suffer the reproach of Christ? Go back to the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. <clears throat> We're, after all, we are to bear a cross. That's the reproach right there. Do we bear it? Do we cower when asked if we're Christians? Hebrews 10 and 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This had to have been written for our present day and age because that day is approaching rapidly. I mean, the the things we see daily, it cannot cannot carry on like it is. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. We trust in God's mercy. It's all we have. As I used that illustration before. A man on his deathbed was talking to someone that said, you're going to receive all kinds of Rewards, he said, I will have mercy. I will receive mercy. Still staying there in Hebrews, chapter 13. Well, before we go there, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, this is Moses' take on it. So terrible was the sight, this is when the Lord came down on Mount Sinai. I exceedingly fear and quake. Now Moses had spoken with the Almighty before, but he'd seen the hinder parts of the Lord's glory. He obviously sees more now because he's exceedingly fear afraid. But ye are coming to Mount Sinai and 
and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The first covenant was broken. That's the type. Moses threw, cast the two tables of stone down and broke them. As I said, there's a unique two-ness throughout Scripture. Tells us of whose voice shook the earth, but now he shall he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only not the earth only, but also the heaven. Now that shaking is I believe is going to be a literal one. It's in the book of Ezekiel, if I can find it. I'm going by memory. Book of Ezekiel, I believe chapter thirty eight. When God's fury is going to come up in his face. Ezekiel 37, 12. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. It's going to be some great shaking doing that. In uh, you know, actually, it talks about in Ezekiel 38, verse 18, and it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel. This is in the latter days, if you read the cold context. Saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. I think this is what happens at the time of the rapture. I don't think this is the battle of Armageddon. I could be wrong. But it appears to me that this is right at the rapture, the great shaking. People are going to think that was Armageddon. The Lord must be fixing to appear, and they're going to have the Antichrist appearing. That's what it looks like to me. These are all things pointing to end times. There's a thing called no holiness, no heaven. And uh, it's actually brought out in the book of Hebrews also. Without holiness, which no man shall see the Lord, were to follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We bear the reproach now. We will wear the crown later. In closing, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Simple statement. 
Matthew 10 and 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. That's very plain. Doesn't need anybody to elaborate on it. Let us stand and we'll sing.